Good morning. It is good to see all of you here, and we are grateful that you have come and joined us here in worship here at Ivy Creek. For those of you in person, those of you who are online, welcome all of you as well. Thank you for being with us today and joining us uh, as we continue our sermon series through the Psalms that I have entitled Songs from the Heart. So if you've got your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do, take them out. Turn with me once again to the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23, probably the most familiar of all of the Psalms and perhaps the most familiar chapter in the Bible. Um, we've been looking at this Psalm over the last couple of weeks, and we have made it as far as verse 3, and I hope that you will not be overly disappointed when I tell you that we are not going to make it past verse 4 this morning. Uh, there has been more for me to chew on in verse 4 this week than I can possibly begin uh, to tell you, and so we're going to camp out there in that verse this morning. Before we do that, though, let me review what we've already learned in the first three verses of our study in Psalm 23. In verse 1, you'll remember that David clearly states that Yahweh, his, the, the, the covenant-keeping God of Israel, is, is his shepherd who leads him. That's what David says there. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, it is because of the shepherd's identity that David goes on to declare his contentment and his confidence in the second half of verse 1. David goes on to say, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, David says, because the shepherd is who he is, then David clearly declares that he's completely cared for. He has everything that he needs and nothing that he doesn't need. David expresses his confidence, he expresses his contentment in all that the shepherd provides for him. That's, that's verse 1. Then in verses 2 and 3, David goes on to identify some of the things that the shepherd actually provides for him. The shepherd, he says, makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, the shepherd gives David rest. We looked at that last week. He gives him rest. But he also leads him beside the still waters. As we looked at that last week, we recognize that means that that, that David gets refreshment from his shepherd. And then furthermore, David testifies that the shepherd restores his soul. So, so David is saying, look, when, when, when I get off, off the path sometimes and, 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 and things are not going as they should, it is the shepherd who comes and brings vitality back to my life. The, the shepherd restores his soul. So, so rest and refreshment and, and, and restoration, that, that is the abundant life that, that God the shepherd has come to provide his sheep. And that's what David is saying here. But then notice that David declares that, that it is the shepherd, it is the, the loving and faithful and kind and always caring and, and always providing shepherd who leads him in right paths. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, David says. David says that, the right paths that the shepherd leads me in are for my own good. They're for my abundant life, but they're also for his glory, for his renown, for the, the renown of the good shepherd. Now, that, that brief summary just kind of gets us back into our minds understanding what we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. And it brings us to the verse that I want us to spend our time on this morning. And it's the fourth verse. We've been quoting the entire 23rd Psalm together, but I just want us to quote the fourth verse together as a church family this morning. So, so look at it there with me and, and read it with me. This is the, the word of, of God to us. Yea, though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Wow. If we ever needed verse 4 in our lives, in the year of 2020, we need verse 4 right now. Would you bow with me in prayer this morning? Father, we are grateful to you for your love and for your mercy, and we are grateful for all that we have already just reminded ourselves of, of verses 1, 2, and 3 of this psalm. But now as we prepare our hearts to look at verse 4 of this psalm, Lord, we remind ourselves that you are our great shepherd. You're the one who loves us with a love that is far beyond our imagination. And Lord, the truth of the matter is, if any of us got what we deserve this morning, Father, the story of our lives would be a horrible story to tell. We are here this morning only by your grace and only by your mercy. And I pray that you will, through the power of your Holy Spirit, working through your word and the testimony of our own lives, we would be able to recognize just, just how good you are. You are the good shepherd. The Bible tells us you are the great shepherd. You are the chief shepherd. You are the one who leads your flock. And we come to you as your sheep this morning asking for your leadership and asking for your guidance and confessing our faith and our confidence in you. So Lord, we thank you for being our chief shepherd, our ruler, our king. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. I don't think it would be too far of a stretch for me to say this morning that if we were able to write our own stories, if all of us were in charge of the scripts that go along with our lives, I don't think it's too much of a stretch for me to say that very few of us would ever voluntarily write into our individual scripts passageways through dark valleys. I don't think any of us would voluntarily do that. I think it's safe to say that by our very natures, we much prefer the mountaintop experiences. To put it in the words of, of verse 2 of Psalm 23, we much prefer the green pastures and the still waters. We much prefer that over the valley of the shadow of death that we read about in verse 4. Yet, as every single one of us in this room knows, all of us will walk through dark valleys. You may recall that last week I mentioned a book that I had been reading and referencing while studying through this 23rd Psalm. It's written by a man named Philip Keller, and it's entitled, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Philip, was, Philip Keller was, was not only a shepherd for eight years of his life, but he was also a pastor. And so when he reflects, he, he reflects on things from both a pastor's perspective and a shepherd's perspective as it pertains to Psalm 23. And in his book, Keller writes that because of the different seasons of the year and their effect upon available vegetation, particularly out in the fields of, of uh, the, the, the desert land, the shepherd has to move his flock around. And so Keller says, particularly in the summer, the shepherd will lead his sheep from the lower meadowlands to the higher tablelands of the mountains because it's cooler up there and the vegetation is flourishing in those summer months. He writes, though, that, that the valleys are the inevitable uh, passageways that provide the best route. They provide available water supply. They, they provide for, for vegetation that allow those sheep to move from the lower lands to the higher lands. 
But these valleys can often be very ominous and, and very menacing. C.H. Spurgeon, he described them as gorges that are shut in with stupendous rocks that seem to, to pile up and they meet overhead to the point that they block out the sunlight. In fact, Spurgeon says that, that they are places that even during the middle of the day can appear to be as dark as midnight. Dale Ralph Davis, he described such valleys as being treacherous to descend and arduous to climb. Dark ravines that he says could harbor wild animals. Davis goes on to say this, he says, All in all, these valleys are a sheep's worst nightmare. It's that thought that leads me to the first observation that I think we ought to notice from this text, from verse 4. The first thing that I want you to see from the text is simply this. It is the peril of dark valleys. The peril of dark valleys. David describes the valley that he travels through here in verse 4 as the valley of the shadow of death. And that lets us know that there is great danger in the valley. Consider the fact that because the sun is blocked out, as Spurgeon has told us there, because of those steep canyon walls, the sheep then, without much light, were, were prone to stumble over the rocks and over the, the, the boulders that were lying along the valley floor. In the valley, it was also possible for a sudden storm to come up. And because of the deep gorges that were cut through that land, when the water would come down both sides of the, of the mountain and down into that valley, then you could get uh, swift water that could sweep away a sheep to its, to its sudden death. Furthermore, as we mentioned, there were wild animals that lived in the valley, and they were always ready to pounce and to prey upon the helpless sheep. No wonder David calls it the valley of the shadow of death. Quite clearly, there is peril, there is danger associated with passing through the valley. Now I should point out that there are some who debate that translation. Some, some prefer to translate it as the valley of deep darkness. Some of your translations may read that way. But the specific word that David uses that's translated valley of the shadow of death is used about 25 times in the Old Testament. And in every occurrence, the issue of death is always surrounding it. There's little fact that death strikes fear in our hearts. Nothing really strikes fear in our hearts faster than death does. Nevertheless, you and I know that we do not have to die to go through dark valleys, do we? The fact that we're all sitting here and we've all gone through some dark valleys is proof of that fact. Sorrow, pain, loneliness, frustration, anxiety, depression. All of those are dark valleys that many, many go through. Spurgeon remarks that these valleys are, are where we experience the chill of death's shade. There are places that, that are marked by gloom, they're marked by danger, they're marked by mystery, and the truth is none of us on our own would ever choose to travel through dark valleys. Yet amazingly, David says despite the, 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 the hardship of them, the darkness of them, the, 
the, the danger of them, the foreboding nature of them. David says, I will fear no evil. In effect, he says, even though the valley is dreadful, even though, even though I feel overwhelmed, even though there are, are all kinds of things that are in front of me that I can't see, there may be dangers on every side, I will not fear. I will not be terrified. My circumstances may be beyond my control and I may be completely helpless to do anything about that or to help myself, but I will not fear. I will fear no evil. Now, I believe that is the main emphasis of what David tells us in this verse. Make no mistake, he does not deny the fact that the path that the shepherd leads us on is sometimes dark and sometimes very treacherous. However, the point is simply this, that the same shepherd who has met every need in David's life prior to this point, everything that has ever happened in him, the shepherd has always been there for David. He is the one who's led him to green pastures. He's the one who's led him beside still waters. He's the one who has always led him down paths of righteousness for his namesake. This same shepherd can still be trusted in the middle of the dark valley. In fact, David says that no matter how dark and perilous the valley may be, he will not fear. Now listen, what I need to know and what you need to know and what is absolutely imperative that we come up with is how is that possible? How is it possible that we can face the dark valleys and not fear? Because there are some of you who are in the middle of a dark valley right now, and if you were honest, you are scared to death. There are others of us in this room that are fearful that we are about to head into a dark valley, and we're paralyzed by what we think may be in front of us. It might be the call of a doctor. We might be waiting on, on a doctor's report. There could be all kinds of things that we feel we're on the precipice of going into a valley. What you need to know, what I need to know, is how can we face the valley that David describes here and do so without fear? How do we do that? Well, embedded in what David tells us in this verse are some clear reasons that we should consider. The first one, and the first thing that I think you should notice, is the simple fact that all of us will inevitably go through dark valleys. In fact, notice the second point on your outline. I would say to you that the reason why we can face dark valleys without fear is because there is the predictability of dark valleys. There is the predictability of dark valleys. I think the ESV gets it right when it translates this verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, David does not say that he might walk through a valley of darkness. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Even though I walk. In other words, there is a predictability. There is a certainty there is an inevitability to the fact that the pathway that you and I will travel will eventually and assuredly lead us through dark valleys. Now, it is important to note that what David says here in verse 4 comes on the heels of what he has already said to us in verse 3. Namely, that is the good shepherd who leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
verse 3 stands in the background of verse 4. You see, because verse 3 is there, what becomes evident is that the dark valley of verse 4 lies along the right path that is described in verse 3. In other words, as, as Pastor Josh Smith has put it, he says the valley is not a detour from the pathway. It is not an interruption to the pathway. No, the dark valley is the pathway. The clear reality is that sometimes we are led to a place of rest and refreshment, as we saw back in verse 2. But sometimes we are led through a foreboding and dark ravine, as in verse 4. Either way, we recognize that it is the shepherd who leads us. And our confidence is that he has his purposes for the path that he has chosen for us to walk upon. For us to be able to face the peril of the dark valley without fear, we must remind ourselves of the predictability of the dark valleys. That the paths of righteousness upon which our shepherd leads us for our good and for his glory will inevitably include dark valleys. In fact, to quote Josh Smith once more, he says, it's impossible for the Lord to lead you where he desires for you to be without taking you through the valley. Stephen Cole, he agrees, he writes, sometimes Christians express a desire to walk on a higher plane of Christian existence, but we often mistakenly think that God airlifts his flock to such a place. He doesn't. The only way to higher ground, he writes, is to walk with the good shepherd through some fearful valleys where you despair at times, even of life itself. Now let's be honest, we understand the despairing of life, don't we? I won't ask you for a show of hands, but let me raise both of mine. Whenever you go through dark valleys, you know sometimes one of the first words that comes out of my mouth is, woe is me. Lord, why have you brought me here? Have you forgot about me? Have you turned your back on me? Do you care anymore, Lord? Look where I'm at. I'm in the valley. We understand that, don't we? Yet if we believe verse 3, and I'm preaching to myself this morning as much, more than I'm preaching to any. If I believe, verse 3, that the right paths of abundant life, that our good shepherd leads us along, if he leads us along those paths, then I have to recognize that verse 4 will also come, and so will dark valleys. And we have to trust that he knows what is best for us and that the dark valleys necessitate our trust in the good shepherd. So the first thing I would say that is crucial to our being able to face the peril of the dark valleys without fear is to recognize the predictability of those dark valleys, recognizing that it is a shepherd who takes us through them. There's another important point that I think we need to recognize, and that is if we're going to face the dark valleys without fear, David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That leads me to the second thing, and it's the third point on your outline this morning. Notice it with me. We recognize the Lord's presence with us in the dark valleys. The Lord's presence in the dark valleys. According to what David says here, the shepherd's presence is another answer to calm our fears. As I mentioned, in the valley there are, there's, there's danger, there's wild animals, there's sudden storms, there's even bandits and robbers, as I was reading this week, that often lurked in those shadows. There's uncertainty with regard to what's going to take place in those valleys. But David describes the fact that he can walk through those valleys without being terrified because he knows that he does not walk there alone. 
I'm reminded of the lyrics of the gospel song, God on the Mountain. Doris, Doris sings that here. I told her earlier, I said, I'm quoting you this morning. I'm calling you out. She's sitting up there. But she's sung this song so many times here, and you've certainly heard it. It's, it's, it's God on the Mountain. And here's the, here's the opening verse. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain. And you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But when things change and you're down in the valley, listen, don't lose faith. Why? For you are never alone. And the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. And when things go wrong, he'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. It's good to remind ourselves of that. David did back in Psalm 16. We've already studied this psalm back in verse 8 of that chapter. David says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. He's at my right hand. Do you see the parallel between what he says there in Psalm 16 verse 8 and what he says here in Psalm 23 verse 4? There he says, I'm not going to be shaken because the Lord's at my right hand. David says, I will not fear because thou art with me. That goes directly in line with what the prophet Isaiah says. The Lord commands through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43. He says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Listen, the Lord's presence is that which calms us when we walk through the valley because He will be with us. I quoted Josh Smith earlier. I want to quote him once more. He reminds us that based upon what David tells us, that sheep are better off in the valley with the shepherd than on the mountaintop without the shepherd. Do you believe that? You see, if you really believe that you're better off in the valley with the shepherd than on the mountaintop of life without him, I want you to know where you stand in that tells you where your confidence and where your trust is. Let me just say to you, when you realize that the Lord's presence with us is in the dark valleys is what allows us to face the peril of those dark valleys without being overwhelmed and overcome with fear, then you are well on your way to understanding what it means to call the Lord the Good Shepherd. So the predictability of the dark valleys as well as the Lord's presence in the dark valleys, but then notice also that David gives us another reason. Notice the final point on your outline. It is the Lord's protection in dark valleys. The Lord's protection. David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, out in the field, a shepherd would always have these two tools at his disposal. He would have a rod and he would have his staff. Again, I refer to the Philip Keller's book that I've been reading. He, he describes the shepherd's rod as kind of being formed from a, a young sapling that was dug up from the ground and, and then carved and whittled to form a club that would exactly fit the owner's hand. 
the shepherd boy would take a lot of time to fit this club to make it just perfect for him. And then he would spend hours practicing, learning how to throw it with amazing speed and accuracy. And it became his main weapon for defense both of himself but of his sheep. It was likely a rod very similar to the one that Keller describes that David himself would have used when he was a shepherd boy tending his father's sheep. Remember when David volunteered to fight Goliath? You remember that he went into and gave his resume to King Saul? You remember what he said to Saul? 1 Samuel 17, he said, When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. It was very likely not being hit with his fist. It was his rod that David was using as an extension of his arm to kill the lion and the bear that came after the lamb. So there's the rod, but then there's also the staff. Sometimes that's referred to as the shepherd's crook. Keller refers to it as a staff normally long and slender with a crook on one end, straight on the bottom end. It was used to guide the sheep but it was also used to, to, to hook them when they got into trouble of their own and to pull them out of trouble. Keller, Keller does this. He notes that it was not uncommon for his sheep, particularly, to keep pushing their heads into like a rose bush or bramble, and they keep pushing their heads further and further in to get a mouthful of green grass. It was on the ground behind it. But then they would push so far that then the, the, the thorns would, would grab into their wool and they couldn't get themselves back out. And so it was the shepherd who would come along with his shepherd's crook and he would reach in and be able to help them and to pull them and pull the briars away so that they could actually get freed from their entanglement. And as I thought about that, I thought, man, that's me. How much in my own life do I, with my stubborn self-will and Self-assertiveness keep pushing myself into situations which I cannot easily escape from. How much do I need my holy shepherd to come behind me and to free me from those moments? I want you to know it is the shepherd's rod that protects us from those things that come from the outside that would harm us, but it is also the shepherd's staff that protects us from ourselves. He has both, and he uses both mercifully in our lives. The point is simply this. In the dark valley, there is peril, and there is real danger, danger that comes from predators and foes, dangers that comes from the darkness of the rocky terrain, danger that can come from sudden and unexpected storms, danger that we can get ourselves into. We can go through those dark valleys and face all of those potential dangers without succumbing to fear because we know that the Lord, the great and good and kind shepherd, protects us in the dark valley. Like David, we are comforted in knowing that he protects us with his rod and with his staff. So, with that being understood, as we take a step back and we look at this verse, what it tells us is that Though there are dark valleys that are filled with peril, we do not have to fear. Why? Because we know that those valleys are predictable. 
They're part of the right path that the shepherd leads us along. Furthermore, because he leads us, we know that he will be with us. We have the comfort of his presence with us every step of the way through the valley. We're also further comforted by the knowledge that he will protect us on our journey. He will protect us from danger from without and danger from within. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at as these previous verses. I've tried to, to summarize them, and that's what I do in my sermon in a sentence every week. And, and based upon what we looked at in verse 1, I, I summarized that sermon with this sentence. Because I am a sheep who on my own lacks everything, I need the Lord Jesus to be my shepherd so that I will never lack anything. That's verse 1. But I kept with that as I went into verse 2 and 3 last week and, and, and I summarized those verses this way. I will not lack anything when I trust the Lord Jesus as my shepherd and follow him on the right path to abundant life. And so in keeping with that same sort of continuity and thought, based upon what we've learned here in verse 4 this morning, I summarize it this way with my sermon in a sentence. The right path to abundant life will inevitably take me through dark valleys. Yet I need not fear because my shepherd is with me to guide and defend me. Look, the right path to the abundant life that God has for you Brothers and sisters, it's going to take you through dark valleys. But you don't need to, to be fearful because your shepherd's going to be right there with you, guiding you, protecting you the whole way. Here's the reality. We're going to go through them. Life-threatening, fear-generating moments of uncertainty, pain, sorrow, hardship. And the question that will inevitably come to our minds when we get there is, am I safe? And your great shepherd says to you unequivocally, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Remember the words of the good shepherd in John 16, verse 33. Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that Psalm 23 is quite often a psalm that is read at funerals. Verse 4 is the primary reason why that's the case. And you see, for all the other dark valleys that we go through in life, you and I know that one day we will go through that valley of the shadow of death. But this verse reminds us that when that final moment comes, we need not fear because our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, told us in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. This is what I want you to know. Even though we face the dark valleys of death, we know our good shepherd will lead us through them to the other side. And therefore, we need never fear because David prays, Thou art with me. Those are three good words. I haven't really drawn them out before, but you might want to underline them in your Bibles. Though, through, and thou. Thou art with me, David says. And because that's the case, then though we face the inevitability of dark death, death's dark valley, we can do so without fear because we know he will carry us 
through them to the other side. This verse, like the previous three, necessitates that I ask you a very important question. The very important question is simply this. Is the Lord your shepherd? Have you trusted in Him to be your Savior, to be the one who will defend you, who will be the one to protect you? Are you actively trusting in Him right now to lead you along the paths of righteousness toward the abundant life that He promises that is for your good and for His glory? If you have not, then let me say to you that it is only through faith in Him, through His death, through His burial, through His resurrection from the dead that you have any hope. All of the promises of the Good Shepherd are for His sheep. And as Jesus says, His sheep are the ones who hear His voice and then follow Him. If you have never trusted Christ and you've never followed Him as your Lord and Master, then I want to invite you to do that today. Every single one of us are sinners in need of a Savior. And by admitting that by coming to Christ, you are acknowledging your need and you're acknowledging His salvation, and you're acknowledging that you need that, you need to be cleansed by submitting to His authority and to His leadership in your life, you will become one of the sheep in His pasture. And when you do, then you can live with the same confidence that David expresses here and that many of us in this room have this morning. You can always trust that the Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd, will guide you into the right path to abundant life. He will always be with you, and He will always protect you. Brothers and sisters, this is the Word of God, and it is for the people of God. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we are so grateful to You for being our shepherd. We thank You that You call us to Yourself, that we are safe, even though we don't always understand the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I have no doubt, Lord, that there are many who are worried and concerned and scared right now, but I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit working through your word that you would bring comfort to let them know that you are the shepherd that they have always trusted in, who's always met every need in their life, and that you will not leave them and you will not forsake them. So I pray for that end, and I pray for confidence as we move forward and continue to live in this world and in this life, I pray that, God, that we would, be, uh, we would reflect the, the, the goodness that you have shown to us, that we would continue to show others that we trust you and that our confidence is in you. I ask for that for those, Lord, who may not know you as their Lord and Savior today, that you, Holy Spirit, would bring conviction into their lives and help them to be able to recognize that they need you I ask these things and I pray them in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen.